Wonderful, thanks, Sarah. And uh, here's Alan Bannister, who's going to bring our reading from Jonah. Yeah, if you could uh, just check out uh, in your green Bibles, uh, what's it on, page 878. It's best if you follow it, because then you'll see if I make any mistakes. Jonah's Prayer. Page 878, Jonah chapter 1, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me, and I said, I've been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. Now the engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head, and to the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath me barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit God's love for them, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, thank you for that reading, Alan. And good morning, everyone. This month, during our morning services, we've been looking at the great prayers of the Bible. And today's talk on Jonah's prayer concludes that particular series. And it would be great for us to just bear in mind that our God, present in our lives today in the 21st century, the God who we just prayed to moments ago, he is exactly the same as Jonah's God, who Jonah prays to in today's passage. Now, it would be a great help if you could keep that reading open on page 878, as I will be referring to it. And Jonah's prayer is rich and deep. And as I hope you'll see today, it is so relevant for us here. And as Alan read it, it may well have struck a chord with a number of you. So to give you a little bit of background and context, here is this man, Jonah. And he's one of God's people, the Israelites. He's a prophet someone who receives direct revelation from God, and he's a preacher. And before we get to this prayer, 
at the start of chapter one, Jonah has been called by God to go to the great city of Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, but they are enemies of God's people. And Jonah is asked to preach to them about God's judgment and their need for repentance. But Jonah has other plans. This is most definitely not something that he wants to do. And we hear that Jonah ran away from the Lord. He gets on a boat and tries to get as far away as possible from where God wants him to be. And it might seem a bit funny to you and I that Jonah thought that he could just hop on a boat in order to escape from God. But actually, when we think about it, you begin to realize that we're not really that different from him. We too try to escape from God in our daily lives. Now, as the story continues, God sends a storm which threatens the ship. And realizing that the storm is an act of God's judgment on him, Jonah instructs the crew to throw him overboard in order to save themselves. Now, the crew, in fact, come to faith and give their lives to the Lord. But Jonah is cast into the sea to face certain death. And so we come to today's passage. Now, we can see from chapter 2, verse 1, that this prayer was prayed from inside the huge fish. But note that Jonah isn't lamenting about his time in there. This prayer looks back to the terrifying experience of when he was in the sea and going to face his death. Look with me now at verse 2. Jonah says, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the deep in the realm of the dead I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me, while your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. This is coming from the man who ran from God. He didn't really consider the consequences of wanting to flee God. But now, as he is dying, he suddenly realizes what it is to get his wish, to be separated from God. As he continues, he says, Yet I look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. Isn't that a frightening picture? As he comes to the end of his life, he realizes that he has cut himself off from God. Sinking deeper and deeper to the bottom of the sea, he realizes the consequences of his actions, and he feels God's judgment on him. And this is the first point about this prayer that I want to draw out. Jonah realizes his state without God. He is helpless, cut off from the Lord. And how true that is for people who don't know God today. He says in verse 7, When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. Has that ever been true for you? When all has been stripped away, you've remembered God. 
How true it is that so often it's when things go wrong for us that we turn again back to God. We've been proud. We've liked to be independent. But things have gone wrong. They're out of our control. And suddenly we remember the Lord. Yet, despite Jonah's rebellion, his fleeing from God, his prayer from the depths of the sea goes straight to heaven. As it says in verse 6 and 7, to the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever, but you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. And in verse 2, in my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Jonah realizes God is about to give him what he had asked for, separation from the Lord. And when he realizes what this really means and how awful that reality is, he looks again to God and cries out to him and remembers him. But we know the story doesn't end there. Even when we've run from God, if we turn back, cry out to him, all is not lost. You see, what happens next? God sends a means of saving Jonah in the form of this huge fish. It's a miracle. Look back at the very first verse of our reading, chapter 1, verse 17. You can see here that the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. The Lord is the main subject of that sentence. It was God who provided deliverance from death for Jonah. Jonah's God, our God, the creator of the universe, Lord of the sea and land, he provides this miraculous means of rescue for Jonah. And this brings me to the second point I want to draw out. After Jonah realizes his state without God, here Jonah recognizes God's sovereignty and grace. And Jonah acknowledges God's sovereignty over creation, over the occurrences in his life. This is not a weak, far-off God who is removed from his people. Ours is an all-powerful God, intimately involved and in control of his creation. Look how Jonah acknowledges this in his prayer. In verse 3, he says, You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. All your waves and breakers swept over me. Jonah knows that he doesn't deserve to be saved. He had run away from God, but God had mercy and delivered him from death. This was no accident, no chance or luck. Jonah sees that it was God's will which saved him. Not only is God all-powerful, but he was also a God of grace. Here you have a great biblical truth, the sovereign grace of God. As someone once put it, God is all-powerful so he can do as he pleases. And what he pleases is to be merciful and gracious. Isn't that amazing? This is our God. And this grace is open for everyone. 
those of us who have come into a personal relationship with Jesus, we've recognized who we are apart from God, and we've accepted God's offer of rescue through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. You see, this story isn't just some sweet Sunday school story about some bloke and a whale. This is an illustration of our merciful Father reaching out and offering us to a restored relationship with him. Jonah was saved from the clutches of death, and God's mercy and grace to Jonah led him to repentance. God is not gracious because he responds to our repentance. God is gracious because he leads us to it. Think about it. We would not have first repented if God had not saved us by his grace through Jesus. In order to restore Jonah to a right relationship with him and to prepare him to go and preach to Nineveh, God uses this ordeal to bring Jonah to repentance. Now be assured that I am not saying that every act of suffering or hardship is a direct punishment by God on an individual. What I am saying, though, is that God speaks to us through every situation. He reveals himself to us in the good times and the bad. And he uses that situation to bring glory to his name. We might be convicted of sin and corrected like Jonah here. Or he might just teach us more about himself and his amazing character and our ever-growing need for him sanctifying us in the process. After the near-death experience which Jonah endured as a result of his rebellion and his realization of God's sovereignty and grace, Jonah responds in praise and obedience. And this is my third point. As one commentator puts it, one one cannot simply bask in the relief from distress which God provides one must respond to grace. Verses 8 and 9 show Jonah's sincere response to the undeserved mercy that God has shown him. He praises God with a song of thanksgiving. Rather than rebellion, he submits in sacrifice to God. He vows to obey God's call and serve him. And we should have the same response too. Our lives should be a daily offering of praise and worship to our Lord as we reflect on what Jesus has done for us. In verse 8, Jonah speaks of worthless idols. He understands the futility of putting hope and trust in anything but God. For the most part, we probably don't think of ourselves as idolaters. Yet we We idolize things every day. Think about it. Is there anything you cling to in your day-to-day lives which isn't God? Perhaps ambition, comfort, or pleasure? You see, we're all guilty. We all fall short, and we do it every single day. Without God's rescue, we'd all be condemned. But as Jonah declares in verse 9, salvation comes from the Lord. And as we know and have just seen, 
God is gracious and merciful. As the Christian author Philip Yancey puts it, God loves us not because of who we are and what we have done, but because of who he is. And when we grasp this truth, how can we respond with anything but praise? In verse 9, Jonah declares, But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Isn't that a wonderful declaration? To say that with complete sincerity, this should be our hope and prayer every single day, wherever we find ourselves, either safely on dry land or whether drowning at the depths of the sea. At the end of our reading, God commands the fish and Jonah is returned to dry land, ready to live out his vow to God and to continue his journey, but this time with the Lord. This man was as good as dead, but by a miracle of God, he was saved by this huge fish, where he spent three days and three nights before returning to a new life, right with God. The man who experienced God's incredible grace and repented was now ready to take this message to Nineveh. So we have seen in Jonah's prayer how he realizes his state without God, how he recognizes God's sovereignty and grace, and how, as a result, Jonah responds in praise and obedience. For us here today, I want to encourage all of you to think long and hard about how you may have been running from God. Perhaps he has no part in your life at all. Or perhaps Jesus is your Lord and Saviour, but you recognise that you have been running from him in some way. Are there areas in your life where you have felt God calling you to live differently, but you haven't submitted it to him? I want to encourage you now to remember him, turn back to him like Jonah did. Has God been calling you to do something, but it's not something that you want to do? Are you closing your ears to his voice and turning your back on him? Recognize God's grace and repent. We don't obey God in order to find favor with him. He saves us through his grace, and our obedience follows as an act of worship as we recognize what he's done for us. Back in chapter one, Jonah chose to live without God. And that is the decision we are all faced with. Do we live our lives with God, or do we reject him and live without him? As a final thought, I want to reflect on part of last week's talk. It was on Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Hours before his trial and death, Jesus prays to his Father. He says, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Where Jonah failed, and where we so often do, 
Jesus was always prepared to do his father's will, even to die a gruesome death and to be cut off from God. But his death on a cross, lying dead in a tomb for three days and three nights, and his resurrection means that for us, we are no longer cut off from God and condemned to the realms of the dead. If we repent and believe, then we too, like Jonah, can experience God's mercy and have a new life with him. Let this sink in. Reflect on it. Take in what it is to be cut off from God. Recognize God's sovereignty and the rescue he offers through, through his son Jesus. And respond with heartfelt praise and a longing to do his will. Amen.